The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Dixon & Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. Today, Ben and I break down some of the foundational principles of wealth creation, where to even begin, and what to consider prioritizing at the start of your journey. All this and more as we get ready to sharpen your money mentality on this week's episode of The Financial Edge Podcast. And welcome back to The Financial Edge Podcast. My name is Tyler Schweiger. Joining me again today is Ben Schamberger. We are both financial advisors based out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we are excited to be back with you guys again. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, my friend. How about you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Feeling a little sore from playing golf yesterday. Oh, yeah, dude. No, that was a lot of fun, man, just getting out there on the uh, on the range and doing that. Uh, we haven't had a chance to do that yet, so yeah, I know. it was a lot of fun. So. I know. What yeah. else has been happening with you this week? Oh, trying to make some car decisions. Um, always fun. You know, if you have a older used car, okay. to fix it or sell it or what to do. So you're selling it. I'm in that mode right now. Yep. Awesome. Looking man. at selling it. So any uh, any hooks? Any anybody potentially buying? Yep. I, I do have some uh, some interested buyers. So now I just gotta make the car buying decision at some point. Very so, cool. That's gonna be interesting. How about you? Man, uh, this week has been pretty crazy. So my wife and I, we just celebrated our uh, 10th anniversary uh, hey, last, congratulations. last weekend. Thank my you. Guy. Yeah, man. So 10 years, August 1st. Um, okay. Super exciting. Uh, I feel like there's actually a whole bunch of birthdays and anniversaries in our family and extended you know, friends and family that are happening in August. So, uh, like I gotta, I gotta get back home and talk to my wife about like who has what happening when in the month of August and kind of get ready for all that. But yeah, July is our month. Okay. So yeah, my birthday is in July. Uh, my brother-in-law's birthday is in July and then my best friend's birthday is in, is in July. I've got like, like half the people I know, all their birthdays are in July. (laughs) That's so, true, man. My birthday's in July too. So see, that's what I'm it's saying. A good month. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm sending out birthday cards left and right, man. It's crazy. That's but, awesome, man. But man, it's been a pretty crazy uh, week again here. I For mean, sure. the market's starting to, to calm down a little bit, right? Right. I mean, why why do you think that is? Uh, I think it will one if we're kind of talking about summer a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we're getting a little bit of that summer slowdown, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's the same as previous summers. You it, know, like I felt that same way. Yeah, okay. it's, it's not been that way. Definitely not. And I think you know a lot of that has to do with where we are, just being inside of a global pandemic. Because you, because typically what what we see happen oftentimes is we'll get this slowdown of the number of people that are actively investing during the day yep. during the summertime because everybody's not everybody, but a lot of people are on vacation right. and they're planning all these birthdays and things that are happening during the summertime. But especially like this summer, especially in July, but this summer, it's a little bit different. It feels yeah. like a lot of people are still at the computer making trades. You know, I don't know. Do you think, this is an interesting question, do you think that the retail investor, you know, somebody jumping on like the Robinhood apps or the E Trade or something like that, I mean, with people having more time, I've I've heard you know where because there is more time available that people are jumping on these apps, and because there's no sports to watch, exactly. You know, there's no uh, you know outside act- no there's more a- outside activities, but there's no like internal activities really to go do. Uh, people are spending more time trying to entertain themselves, maybe with learning the stock market or something like that. Have you have you seen that at all? 
Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I've I've read certainly a lot of articles that have talked about that. Um, otherwise as well. Um, I I can't say that specifically in my circle of friends. I have people that are doing that per se, but um, but I can see how the effect of that would certainly spill over into the market. I mean, every time, like, you know, you guys can't see it because you're listening to the podcast, but if if you were here in our quote-unquote recording studio, which is Tyler's office, uh, there's a TV right outside, and, and we're watching the news. Well, it's playing the news constantly, and they talk about that all the time, right. about the effect of the retail trader. And so I definitely think that that is a new dynamic that has more um, of an influence this year than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I, th- I think it's been a very interesting dynamic to uh, to watch and just to see how the, the daily fluctuations and the volatility can even be impacted by that. Right. Um, because, you know, there might there might not be a ton of uh, volatility at first, but then, you know, certain algorithms that these larger companies have in place can be triggered by smaller retail traders, you know, in specific companies as building momentum. Yeah. So it's just, it's really fascinating to see uh, it can be pretty big wins or losses for you know the individual investors too, so it doesn't come without its risks. Right. But yeah. You know, yeah. So well, what else are we talking about yeah. in the current markets today, man? This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know uh, today, especially, uh, we just got the new private payroll numbers. Oh, okay. And uh, that was pretty revealing in some ways too. So uh, CNBC came out with an article. I've got it here. It said they reported that companies between 50 and 499 employees. Uh, they lost 25,000 jobs in the month of July. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is is companies below 50 employees added 63,000 jobs, and companies above like 500 employees, the larger businesses, uh, actually added 129,000. Now, this is way below what the estimates were, were at. Okay. I think it was like over 1.1 million. Yeah. Um, but it's just an interesting dynamic that, you know, it's the small businesses below 50 employees are adding where that mid-range company is kind of like losing a little bit. I don't know. That is an interesting, uh, you know, when you when we were talking about this beforehand, I heard the numbers, but then yeah. like hearing it now as we're recording this live, I'm like, wow, that is very interesting, just mm-hmm. kind of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I think for a small business, you know, if you're stuck in this economic uh, cyclone almost where you're, you're not sure what's around the next corner, uh, cyclone is probably not the best word for that. I Let's run with it. Let's run with it. Uh, <laughs> but if you're stuck in this, you know, environment where you're not sure what the, you know, if the lockdowns are going to continue, if, right. if you can open up your business fully, or even if you're a restaurant, I mean, I've talked to, um, to people involved in the restaurant industry that, you know, they know people that they can't open their businesses because, you know, the first 50, 60% of their customers covers all of their expenses right? and everything beyond that, like the, the 70, 80, 90, 100% capacity, that's where they make their profit at. And so because these restaurants are only able to open up at 50% capacity, it logically just doesn't make sense for them from a financial standpoint to even open. Yeah. And some of them, uh, I mean, I went for lunch downtown here in Winston-Salem and, you know, I'm hearing from some of these other restaurateurs, some companies just aren't coming back. Wow. So it's a little gloomy on on some of those fronts, but what what are your thoughts with like the new stimulus that's in place or that they're, they're trying to work through? You think that'll help navigate some of that or i think it'll help navigate some of it i think it's always a level of uncertainty particularly you know like who who gets um the all the details all the specific details that are yet to be 
uh, revealed, right? Like, so Definitely. I think a lot of people are kind of anticipating at this point. All right, well, you know, like the families, pretty much who got the the CARES Act, they're probably going to get the the same twelve hundred dollar, you know, check unless something drastic happens. But I think right. all the other details, like even my wife and I were talking about this last night. With all right, well, what happens if the uh, unemployment insurance benefits goes from six hundred dollars a week down to two hundred? Right. Or if the six hundred dollars a week is only for four to eight weeks, as opposed to you know like five to six months like there's just so many different details that are there that have yet to be kind of worked or at least revealed um it's going to leave a lot of things up in the air and especially as we get back into the fall most people are like ready to kind of get back to work um you know and then you have a lot of people right now that are even um kind of pending uh potential evictions that's going to be a whole nother wave of activity good or bad that happens in the next couple of weeks and months so yeah and a lot of it does hinge on, you know, some of the decisions being made, unfortunately. So, right. yeah, it's just I, I think it is important to keep an awareness of what's taking place on that front because it's, you know, it's going to impact your portfolio. It's going to impact, you know, potentially your job. It's going to impact, you know, other streams of income that you might have coming in. And I think that's a nice segue too. you know, with the $1,200 stimulus check that, exactly. you know, some of the families might be receiving in. Uh, it could be a bit of a lifeline. But, you know, if. That with that twelve hundred dollars, I mean, how would you prioritize receiving that twelve hundred dollars? I mean, obviously it depends on where you're at, right? Sure. But like, if if somebody you know is to receive another round of twelve hundred dollars stimulus checks, say they're working, um, you know, what would you do with it? Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that I would look at is just kind of taking care of the the most basic of expenses: food, yeah. clothing, shelter, transportation. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. Making sure you have that. Um, you know, if health insurance is probably also going to be another big one as well. Definitely. You know, maybe for some people it's being able to look and see, Hey, is there any, you know, if I've taken care of that, is there any, you know, potential debt that I can take care of? We always talk about, uh, I say we always, but you and I have a lot of conversations offline talking about that guaranteed, where can we get guaranteed rate of return? Right. If If we eliminate debt, there's another scenario there. Uh, and then and that's that's a term we have to be very careful of too. Is that this is true? The guaranteed rate. So, right. I mean, we're not talking about investments, <laughs> right? We're not talking about investments on that front. But when you have a credit card, like if you have credit card debt, even if you had that zero percent APR, you know that that really nice introductory rate. Exactly. And you're you're nine months into a twelve month promotion on that. What happens at month thirteen, Ben? Right. All of a sudden, that interest payment kicks in. Oh. And then all of a sudden you're stuck paying 23, 25%. I mean, some of these credit card companies, they've been raising their interest rates here over the last many years. I mean, it used to be- and they're going to have to keep doing that, yeah. Right. And I mean, I remember they, I've seen cards, you know, 17, 18%, which you're like, oh, that's not nearly as bad. Man, that's still a lot when it's compounding on a monthly basis. Sure. And I have found at least every single time that I've come across credit card debt, it is one of the greatest detractors for creating wealth. So true. That's out there. Right. Because you can't get ahead when you're paying somebody else Correct. 17 to 25% <laughs> Correct. or more, depending on the credit card, right? Right. So that's what we mean by it's a guaranteed rate of return because you're avoiding that 17 to 25% annual interest payment. Right. So that compounding is either working for you or it's working against you. Right. Exactly. So I know it was Albert Einstein that said uh, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. He who understands it receives it. He who doesn't pays it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. I might be butchering that quote a little bit, but I always thought it was a good one. It sounded good to me. Yeah, thank you. 
Uh, but all right, so let's talk a little bit more about savings then. I know that's what this episode is really all about. Right. Savings is the foundational principle when it comes to creating wealth. If you can't save money, you're not able to create wealth long-term. It does tend to take some money to create more money. And that's the whole purpose of wealth creation, correct? Exactly, yeah. Or not purpose, but it's it's one of the largest functions of right. creating wealth. So in doing that, Ben, what would you say would be one of the most key things that somebody would need in order to create wealth well, or savings? Are we talking about the prerequisites or are we just talking about... Yeah, let's let's talk about the prerequisites to saving. Well, the prerequisite to saving is obviously going to be income. Okay, so you got to have a job or a source of revenue or income. Some source of income right? coming in, correct? All right. What would you say would be the second thing? Uh, have a uh, a handle on your expenses. So how do you do that? Well, you got to be able to track what your expenses are. Uh, where where are you spending money currently? Right. So you right. Know, is it. Uh, I think we were having a conversation yesterday talking about like the number of subscriptions, right? So like, is it mm-hmm. is it Netflix? Is it food? Is it travel? Is it uh, commuting back and forth to work? Is it housing expenses? Those kinds of things. Definitely. And why? Like, why is that important? Why is it important for me as an individual or some of our listeners? Why is it important to track expenses? Like, what changes in that scenario? Well, I think for a lot of people, um, and it may not be the case for everybody, but I, I can definitely say it's true for me. Um, when I become conscious of tracking expenses, um, there were several things that were working at that time for me. But as the more I become aware of the expenses and tracking those expenses, and even the people that I work with on a day-to-day basis, yeah. the more they become aware of that, the more they realize, oh, okay, like is this, they'll, they'll ask themselves subconsciously, is this by design or is this by default mm. with inside of my financial uh, budget, right? So like, this spending over here am i doing this starbucks over here because it's significantly adding value every single day or have i just gotten into the routine of going and go getting you know that that six dollar cup of coffee just because right and so so now all of a sudden you're making financial decisions consciously which typically will lead to better decisions again not always but typically it'll lead to better decisions and as a result then you'll find reasons uh to to begin to save more money on an active basis as opposed to simply just passive or not even saving money at all yeah i agree i mean especially when it comes down to understanding and tracking like all right i think the biggest thing that i noticed for myself when i started tracking my own expenses and i've seen this with plenty of people too where all of a sudden it's like a i have the psychological effect of you know by me tracking my expenses it gets man it gets a little tedious it does and if i have to track when i'm spending money now all of a sudden I'm I'm less inclined to spend that money for like the little nonsense purchases throughout the day, right? Right. Like the coffee that I could have just brewed at the office or, you know, maybe the the food I could have just brought to the office for lunch. Yep. Um or, you know, paying the parking meter. 50 cents is not a big deal. Or is it? Or is because it because right. the mentality of it, right? Right. So, you know, all of a sudden I start making a little bit different decisions based off of inconveniencing myself because I don't feel like tracking it. Right. But then on the back end after a month, I, I have found that now I'm able to identify where my spending is very off balance, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of times, it's usually found in, in the uh, in the eating out category, right? Because again, going back to episode one or the pilot episode, like I said, I, I love Chick-fil-A and I'm not going <laughs> to apologize for this. Like, it is fantastic. And so 
you know, it's not fantastic for me all the time. But by the way, we are not affiliate sponsors of Chick Fil A. We do not receive uh, <laughs> uh, promotional endorsements or anything like that. Compensation? Nope. Just good food. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, like that, for, especially for single people, I think primarily, yeah, or you sure. know, people that are um, looking more for the convenience factor. But that's the area, you know, between the untracked spending as well as some of the subscriptions. Your your finances or your cash flow can be eaten up so quickly without any thought towards it even beyond uh the singles because i know we were talking about that um that's definitely one perspective i even thinking about you know the families and like if you're like me you've got a family of five and it's like eating out is no longer just you know a 12 or a 15 dollar meal like Mm -hmm. that's 60 bucks gone right there in that moment but sometimes you're like dude like we've been doing this all week long like i'm ready to go out to eat like (laughs) you know what i mean so yeah exactly yeah that that cost gets amplified so quickly when you have a family. Very quickly. It's amazing. And then you're paying sales tax on top of that and potentially, potentially paying for the waiter service or the waitress, you know, the uh, whoever's at the table leaving the tip. I mean, that, that adds up quick. When, and then the child that's like, I don't want this. That tax. <laughs> that's another expensive tax, but that that's is, a different episode. That is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, all right, let's say that you're in that position then. Say you've got the budget in place. Okay. You've got an income. So you're tracking your expenses. You know what your income is. Uh, and you're still a little bit more paycheck to paycheck. You, you know, you're kind of break even. What would you suggest to a, a listener that's in that position to maybe start getting ahead? How do you How do you get ahead at that point? Yeah, so I think there's kind of two ways that you can do that. Technically, maybe three if you want to split here. So okay. one way is is you can make more, you can increase your income. So that's mm-hmm. talking about making more money. Yep. Um, maybe you have the ability to negotiate your salary upwards. Could be tough to do in this current environment. Maybe it's not tough to do. Right. Uh, but but making more money or uh, get a, a gig, right? Like there's um, yep. there's all different kinds of ways. We should make that a podcast. Um, there's all hey, different kinds of podcasts. ways. I know, right? <laughs> we are uh, to make money, right? Uh, doing different things, right? So it could be a side yeah. hustle, or it could be another part-time job, or whatever. It doesn't have to be something that you necessarily have to grind away at, and you don't enjoy. It could be something fun that you decide to do on the side. Uh, I was talking to my wife the other day, and it's amazing what people can do on Pinterest. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so making more it's money true. is one way. Another way that you can do that would be to spend less money. Um, so really going back to your your budget again, and then saying, yeah. hey. All the of all the things that I'm spending money on, what's by design, what's by default? Is this really yep. giving me the value that I'm looking for? And is there a better use of this money somewhere else that would give me more value um, personally? And then the third way is just simply a combination of the two, right? So, right. and I think that's at the end of the day, it's it's always almost always going to be a balance of the two. Yeah, and I think even with you know, if I'm going to reduce my expenses, there's certain expenses that I'm not going to be able to reduce exactly. at least not right away, right? So like right. with rent or you know paying a mortgage. That's going to be a fixed expense, and there's going to be a difference between your fixed expenses and your variable expenses. Mm-hmm. Where the fixed, you know what's going to be coming out of your account or what you're going to have to pay for it exactly every single month. Right. Right. Maybe you have, uh, I mean, other examples of fixed expenses might be, um, you know, I don't know, help me out here. Uh, you, you could do your mortgage or rent. That's going to be one. Like if you got a car payment, something like that. That's your a good one. insurance premiums, health insurance premiums. Yep. Yep. So all those ones that you know without a shadow of a doubt is going to be coming out as same dollar amount every single month. That helps provide that baseline. Right. Then you start moving into like the fixed variable expenses, mm-hmm. things that you know you're going to have to spend money on, but you're not sure quite how much. Right. So that right. could be like your utilities. Exactly. It could be um, your groceries. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
fuel expenses. Fuel I mean, expenses, yeah. I know my fuel bill has gone way down over the last three months because you know fuel prices have dropped so dramatically. Right. So you know where I used to budget say 150 bucks a month, I'm now down like below 100. Right. So that's a welcome surprise, you know, on a monthly basis. But now it's like, well, how do I be wise with that extra 50 bucks? Should I keep planning for it to be that low? Right. Well, I hope, you know, the economy is going to reopen and is that going to drive fuel prices back up? And so, conversely for me, like yeah. my whole entire family of five, we are now all of a sudden all at home almost all the time, 24-7. Yep. So versus we don't hardly spend anything on gas, our utility bill has basically replaced that. Ah, that, see, that's where this almost becomes a little bit more of an art it does. than just a science. Yeah. Because there are the the fluctuations between where time is being spent. And that can honestly have a huge impact on where, where the budget's being dedicated towards. Right. And that can change. I think that's one of the most important things for anybody that's looking at putting together a budget or a statement of cash flow. Yep. It needs to be a living document. Yeah. Something Flexible. That, yeah, yeah, flexible. Something that you can change on a month-to-month basis. All right. So now we've got the income. Mm-hmm. We might even be having some extra income. Right. We started identifying what our fixed expenses are. We started looking at what our variable expenses are. Identifying a pattern now over a couple months of seeing where our spending's going, our habits. Right. I mean, how important are habits when it comes to spending? Oh, they're huge. Uh, it's yeah, they play in. Uh, maybe that's a whole other episode, but it plays in so much of like where we spend money on. Yep. Not even consciously. Most of that is subconscious or unconscious spending, mm. uh, and that just kind of dives into a whole thing about money habits. And yeah, so that's I don't even know if we have enough time to get into that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the psychology behind spending money is one of the most fascinating things that I've ever studied. But at the same time, it's definitely going to take probably a little bit more time than what we have today. <laughs> and speaking of a little uh, little resource for people um, that are listening today, so if you really want some good resources around the psychology of money. Uh, Dr. Brad Klontz, I believe, uh, K-L-O-N-T-Z, I think that's his name, um, but you can check him out on YouTube. If you like reading, read his books. He's got several different books that are out, uh, like I think one's like Mind Over Money. There's another. There's a mm. couple other ones that are out there. Uh, if you don't want to read the book, you can check him out on Audible or you can check out um, like YouTube because some of his content is on YouTube as well, but fantastic resources on uh, the psychology of, of money. Again, not paid to promote any of these topics right our goal here is just to help provide you guys with some additional resources outside of this podcast too that you can personally dive into without having to rely on just what we say yeah just what we say exactly so make more spend less Mm -hmm. got into that now we're looking at savings let's say we got a little bit more margin right we've got some some cash flow freed up from reducing our spending increasing what we make as an income what's the next step what, what are some other things that we should put in place before looking at saving? So having uh, insurance is going to be one. Uh, so like we've talked about uh, kind of offline, having insurance. So what do we mean by insurance? Well, we definitely want to look at health insurance, but we yeah. also want to look at disability insurance. And both of those are going to pe- play uh, key important parts or pieces of your financial um, life, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that those are two things that you would definitely want to look at. Yeah, it's, it's huge, guys. And, and the reason why I say that is with health insurance, especially if, you know, for younger people or, you know, any, anybody for that matter, um, you know, but for people predominantly in their you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, we're probably going to be more likely to have a, a health-related issue mm-hmm. than we are to pass away. And if something happens to us physically where we're no longer able to perform our job duties, 
Well, all of a sudden, our source or our ability to produce goes away. Correct. So if you know if you're thinking through that X factor, right? Then what happens? So that will wipe out any sort of savings or any sort of wealth that you might have put in place up to that point. That's right. Because now you need to use it in order to just survive. That's right. So having something like that in place at least will help buy you some time. I mean, health health insurance is not cheap. No. Not at all. Even if you go through the marketplace, even if you get it subsidized, right? still not the least expensive thing in your budget. Right. Right. But I would highly recommend prioritizing having that health insurance piece in place, something. Right. Right. Uh, as well as having a disability policy. And I know that's a whole other show in and of itself, too, sure. going through some of the differences there. But contact a, a financial professional for, for your own needs on that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but do some research on it too, just to make sure that you're identifying the correct policies or, or things. Not only that, identify the person or the advisor that would be willing to give you the right advice on that front. Correct. So if you're also working correct. with somebody already, ask them those questions. Don't be afraid to ask them too, how do they get paid? Right. right? Because if that's going to determine potential bias as much as I hate to say it, but it's still going to be out there a little bit. Right. So... All that's going to be another great topic, but having those pieces in place are crucial. Yep. And if they yeah. don't have, um, if you don't have somebody, because I, I think this question might come up for somebody who's listening. Hey, like I don't have somebody I can talk to about, uh, you know, the health insurance or about, you know, savings or about putting these different pieces together inside right. of my financial plan. Like, you know, how can we reach out to you? Well, they can reach out to us via our website. So um, yep. Dixon and Company Wealth Management uh, is the company that we're with here. Uh, you can find us online at www.dixon, D-I-X-O-N, uh, wealth, uh, W-M, as in wealthmanagement.com. Uh, you can find us there. Click on the little bios, and then we have our contact information listed available so they can reach us out. They can reach out to us via the website. Uh, our emails are posted on there, and the office phone number is also posted on there as well. Yep, and our office phone number, if you guys do have any questions, uh, first consultation always going to be free. So if you do have questions, feel free to reach out to us. Our phone number here at the office is three three six two four five eight six two six. So we'd love to get a chance to to chat and Absolutely. answer any questions. So, all right. So the last piece that I know is so critical to savings, right, is uh, something that you always bring up, and I love this. But you always talk about the why. Mm-hmm. Why are you saving? Right. right. Because even before you get active or passive in your savings ability. What do you mean by the why? Yeah, so uh, I get this from uh, Simon Sinek, and he has great author. Uh, yeah, great resources out there, tons of great stuff around businesses and around um, just mindsets uh, in general. But um, he always talks about start with why. And the first time I heard this concept, it literally just kind of put me on the floor mentally mm. um, because I really had to evaluate like my own. Again, is this by design or is this by default? And it right. really transformed the way that I thought about all of my decision-making uh, processes, right. not just financially, but even in other aspects of my life. So I kind of started there, and then whenever I applied that to the finances, and I started asking myself, okay, like, well, why is this important to me financially? Right. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it led me to make very intentional decisions about where mm. I spent or, or where I even invested money. So like, okay, am I going to spend all of my money the moment that I get it, or am I going to put some away? And if I'm going to put some away, what am I going to put it towards? Well, then now my wife and I are having these conversations about, okay, like, well, what is it that we really want in life? Because at the end of the day, it's not about the money. It's simply about the opportunities that money will provide you that you just simply couldn't do without 
having the money. It just kind of is what it is. Right. So then we're having these conversations about, all right, well, what do we want money to represent for us? Like, right. you know, like what does that look like from a giving standpoint, from um, from an earning standpoint, from an investment standpoint? And, yeah. and so here's one of the cool conversations we had. This mm-hmm. this was part of a conversation just over the last couple of days. We talked about celebrating our 10 years. Well, obviously, right now, travel is extremely limited. Uh, right. I don't think yep. most countries want Americans there, but that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but just kind of thinking about, all right, well, when we are able to celebrate our 10th anniversary big trip that we want to do, like, where do we want to go? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, that becomes a really fun conversation because now we're looking at places all over the world. Uh, we, we've looked at potential island getaway, yep. uh, you know, trips. And so, like, we're looking at this and saying, okay, like, where would we potentially go? Like, how much time would we want to spend there? Um, all these different questions that are coming. And now we're having a completely different conversation other than just simply saying, hey, like, you know, did the utility get utility bill get paid this month right so um just having that why and saying hey you know what like this is why we're saving money because we know we want to do this trip you know for our big 10-year anniversary or maybe for somebody else that's you want to start a business or Mm -hmm. or you know like you know that if you do this thing over here you can get married and and start off that marriage right without having any debt there's so many good reasons why that all comes into play and can make sense for someone. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that especially with, you know, not just the things and the stuff that it can provide, but even more importantly, the peace of mind that can be found, maybe paying off debt. Exactly. Right? If you're saving, well, maybe maybe before you start saving, maybe you need to pay off debt and get in a position to free up even more cash flow from that standpoint. Exactly. Because it's eating away your ability to save, mm-hmm. right? So getting debt free maybe that's a good place to start right because that by itself i'll i will tell you when i the lord blessed me with being able to pay off my student loans mm-hmm. uh, about two and a half years after i was done i started off with about wow. thirty three thousand dollars in student loan debt right okay paying about seven percent interest six to seven percent interest yeah i remember at at first my my student loan payments was more than my rent wow it was crazy every yeah. single month but, uh, you know, through the process of, I, I had people in my life that were willing to tell me, hey, delay some gratification, you know, don't go out, don't go buy the car, just kind of hold off on, you know, purchasing some of the expensive things, pay off your debt. Mm-hmm. And so, thankfully, I was able to take their advice two and a half years later, you know, pay it off. It was March of 2016. Okay. Right. Uh, I will tell you the truth. My mind was so free that day. Huh. Because I didn't have to think about something that I've thought about every single minute of every day almost right. for the last two and a half years. Because going, really going into college, I had no concept of debt. I was just like, hmm, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll pay later. No sure. problem. I'm going to enjoy these four years and have some fun. Right. And then you get out of school and you're, you're at that little six-month grace period. Yeah. You're like, okay, still don't have to really worry about it. You know, yeah. have, a little, have a little fun. And then all of a sudden, the student loans hit. And you're like... I'm paying how much a month? It's more than a car payment at this point. Like, right. this is crazy. Right. And so, yeah, just the freedom and the peace of mind that can be created through either paying off debt or the security that can be generated by, mm-hmm. you know, understanding where you're at with all that stuff or, or getting to that point. That is a powerful motivator for, yeah. you know, putting the budget in place for, you know, maybe making a little bit more or saving mm-hmm. for that matter. Right, because um, maybe you don't want any any debt anymore, and you want to buy a car, like where I'm at. Right, and you don't want a car payment. Again, pretty powerful motivator. So, 
for some people, I, I heard this once and I thought it was a great example. Some people are motivated by the dream. Other people are motivated by the nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's good. For me, I'm more motivated by the nightmare. Because okay. I know what I don't want more than I typically know what I actually do want. That's really good. That I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. So, so that's, maybe that's a challenge for our listeners today is, uh, is send us your comments. Send us your feedback. Let us know what you're motivated by. Like, we'd love to hear your story, man. You can you can, uh, you can can send us an email. Again, our contact information is on the website. But, yeah, we'd absolutely love to, to hear what you're motivated by. Is it is it the dream or is it the nightmare? Um, mm. Love to hear your stories. Yep. So, uh, obviously, we don't have any social media connections for anything like that to be able to respond comment-wise. But, yeah, our emails can be found on our website, dixonwm.com. We'd love to hear some stories or some ideas coming from you all on what motivates you. Fantastic. I think that's about it for our time today. So, join us next time as we continue to sharpen your money mentality on the Financial Edge Podcast.